I love playing basketball. When I was in high school, I made the JV basketball team in Cherokee. I wasn't one of the starting five, but I got into the game and I got to play a good bit. I'll never forget the very first game. Coach puts me in and I immediately scored a bucket. The problem is, it was the wrong bucket. I don't know how it happened. Somehow I got turned around and I scored a bucket for the opposing team. Like you don't forget that kind of embarrassment, especially when you're a freshman in high school. And then surprisingly, coach put me back in later in the game and I stole the basketball and I had this breakaway layup. But then the ref blows the whistle. Evidently, in that euphoric moment, I stopped dribbling the ball and just ran with it. And you're not allowed to do that. So when that game was over, it was pretty clear to me that I didn't have the talent to make a living at this thing. But I also knew that I had a, a talent for something. Uh, it, the psalmist writes, in Psalm 139, uh, some, some pretty awesome verses um, about uh, God creating us. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. So God has created us. Beautifully and wonderfully has God crafted us. Uh, and wired us. And we talked last week about the fact that God also calls us. Well, of, co of course God has a purpose for us. So those of you who um, are creators, who are, who are crafty in some way, or, or who make things, and it doesn't have to be a craft, it can be a business plan or something like that. What, whatever your creation is, like you've got a reason for that creation um, even before you've created it. And it's the same with, with, with us and God. God makes us with something in mind. And so, you know, Chan and I did this uh, with our kids. A lot of times we tell our kids, you know, you can do anything you want with your life. Like, sky's the limit. Um, that's not completely true. You know, there are, there are some things that I will never be able to do. I just can't. You know, I, I still hold out hope. Uh, that I might become a, a country music star, uh, but I know I'll never be the next Michael Jordan. You know, we're entering this stewardship season, and uh, we're, we're talking about hitting our stride, uh, leaving footprints that matter. Uh, last week, we, we talked about uh, spiritual gifts. You know, uh, Paul says that each follower of Jesus is, is given a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit uh, chooses them and gives them to us. Um, it's this 
divine ability. It's, it's not an acquired skill and it's not a natural talent. Well, today uh, we're going to talk about talents. We are going to talk about those acquired skills uh, and natural talents. Uh, and the reality is all of us are talented at something. In our text for today, um, well, I just want to read the first two verses, and I actually want to read it in the, the New International Version. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says that we're to offer our bodies, like our whole selves, as a, as a sacrifice, as an offering to God. Now, Paul's first readers... Um, especially his Jewish readers. It would not have uh, been a, a big stretch at all there, for their minds to go immediately to worship in the temple when the priest would, would offer the sacrifices, like the whole burnt offering, um, where the whole animal is, is offered up to God. And so Paul is saying that as Christians, if we use that, if we use that, uh, follow that thought, um, that we don't just give God part of ourselves, um, we give God our, our whole life, like not just my heart and my mind, uh, but my body too. Like this body that God created and um, the, the gifts and the, the, the talents that, that God wired me with. And, and that it's an act of worship, like true worship, proper worship is, is what some of the translations use. Um, that, that word though, that last word, uh, the Greek word at the end of verse 2, um, it's, I don't know how to pronounce it, but like, uh, logike, uh, something like that. But but it's it's the the word that's de uh, our, our word logical is is derived from that Greek word that's used here. So it's like our logical response uh, to God's grace is to give our whole selves in this way. But you know sometimes it doesn't seem logical, or especially when we're trying to work out what God's will is for our lives and what our place is in, in, in ministry and in, in the church and, and in our community. And, you know, sometimes it's not clear at all, and, and sometimes we can even think, well, I don't really have a talent or an acquired skill or a passion that, that um, could, could do anything in God's kingdom. And I read one time this story about it was this group of professionals who they met every month and they were armed with hair dryers and, 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 and scissors and, uh, and, and combs and, and nail polish. Um, they called themselves hairdressers in the marketplace. And once a month they would host what they called a day of beauty. And, and they would invite women from you know, the community who, uh, who might you know, uh, struggle to, to go to the hairdresser and, and get all dolled up and all that. Uh, they, would go, they, would, they would go and have days of beauty at the homeless shelter 
and, and in nursing homes um, and, and um, a, a, a home where there were some mentally challenged folks lived there. Um, Teresa Cox Russo, uh, she's the hairstylist who envisioned this ministry in 1998. And I, I love her story because I think it's um, a really cool process that, um, that maybe a lot of us uh, go through or have gone through. She was trying to find her place. She was trying to, 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 to know what her um, talent and, and serving uh, in ministry would be. And so she tried all these different ministries at, at her church and nothing seemed to fit. And, and she was really frustrated. She kind of like was frustrated at God and was like, like why, why have you given me a talent that's all about vanity? You know, it's all about this hairstyling stuff. Um, and so she prayed and, and um, asked God to show her what her ministry could be. And she gives God credit for this vision uh, of, of forming this group, um, hairdressers in the marketplace. And an interesting thing about it is um, not only do they go to these places and, and, and serve these women in need, but their, their vision is also for the, for the hair industry because she says, you know, so much of it is just deeply rooted um, in, in the glamour and the glitz and, and all of the external things that go with that so that they see as part of their ministry shedding the light of Christ um, you know, um, in, into, um, into the hairstyling industry uh, so that, that good things can happen. All kinds of stories uh, come out of their ministry. This one woman named Doreen, uh, mom of, of two small preschool kids, she had just uh, uh, escaped uh, a very abusive household. She was invited to a day of beauty, and afterwards uh, she says, um, I have been living with no self-esteem. And after this day, I feel beautiful inside and out. The ministries that we uh, dream, the, uh, the ways that we serve, they make a kingdom difference. And I realize that, that sometimes um, it's not that clear and we don't know what it is. And so I love what, what Paul says uh, in, in verse two, you know, like, when you're trying to, to figure this out, like don't, you know, don't be conformed to the world. Like be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like use your mind and don't force yourself um, into the world's pattern. In other words, don't be squeezed. Don't be shaped into, into someone else's idea or someone else's vision uh, of what it means to be in Christian ministry. And, and so the possibilities are endless. And I love the fact that all of this Paul sets in the context of worship. And so I think like right now, we just pause for a moment, not long, and we just ask the Holy Spirit uh, to, to renew our minds and give us a vision. Pray with me, oh God, that you would hold us close and that you would give us a vision of who we are and how you want us to serve. Help us to go with that prayer today. Amen. So, in verse 4 of our text, 
Paul is saying to the Romans some similar things that he said to the church in Corinth. You know, last week our, our text was 1 Corinthians 12. Um, we were talking about spiritual gifts. But here Paul, you know, similar kind of thing, reminding us that we are all part of one body. Each of us is a different member of the body. Each of us has a, a function. Um, and the New International Version, the, those next verses, um, I love how Paul says, if you have the gift of prophesying, then prophesy. If, if it's a gift of teaching, then teach. If it's leadership, then, then lead diligently. If it's the gift of, of serving and hospitality, then, then do those things. Johanna DeWeese is um, a longtime member of our congregation here, and, and I met Johanna a few years ago when I became the pastor at First Methodist. But my, my first close encounter with her was a Saturday morning when our church gathered here in the gym, and then we went out into the community, and we were all teamed up uh, to, to serve our community in different ways. Well, by luck of the draw, I was on Johanna's team, and, and our project was at the Pigeon Community Multicultural Center, and we were working on playground equipment. Johanna was building playground equipment and I got to help her with that. Not only is Johanna a medical professional, just recently retired, she is also, I discovered, a skilled carpenter. And she has every tool imaginable. Like, I had some serious tool envy that day. And she's a really good carpenter. Well, I got a text from Johanna about five weeks ago. It was the morning, early morning, after the flood had happened. And the text was, Keith, let me know as soon as UMCOR gets here. And UMCOR is United Methodist Committee on Relief. Oftentimes, they're the first to arrive at a, at a uh, natural disaster and the last to leave. And Johanna said, and put me on the list. And so within days, uh, she's in Clyde mucking out a house, seven and a half hours mucking out a house in Clyde. Uh, the next day or days later, she was in Crusoe underneath the trailer doing with, dealing with nasty insulation, uh, learning how to get this trailer refixed to the earth. Um, and then on another day, she went to the East Fork Baptist Church, which was devastated by the flood. And so she's working alongside her Baptist brothers and sisters. She's wearing her red FUMC t-shirt. Uh, they made her an honorary Baptist. Pretty awesome stuff. She said that when she was 10 years old, she was fascinated by her father's tools. And so she says, Daddy, teach me your tools. And he did. And she built the house that she and Libby live in now. She's been on UMVIM teams, United Methodist Volunteers in Mission, all over the place, Gulfport, Mississippi, West Virginia, and now just up the road. She's making an amazing difference. You know, Paul says, offer your body, discover your calling, find your task, and do it. Hit your stride. Leave a footprint that matters. Amen.